0: Fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right
1: here put on the show It's paranormal, overload with southern hospitality Hard that murder, have tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Happy that goes bump at night Overthinking if you're by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy To make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Now here's your hosts, Jerry and Tracy
2: Hall, their dogs, Ninja. And sometimes they're cat freddy but never the ferrets.
0: Hey everyone, this is NFL linebacker Avery Williamson,
1: and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories.
2: Hey guys, welcome to episode 340 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry.
3: And I'm Tracy.
2: Tracy, we got a fun episode tonight. We've got Nat and Allie from Let's Get Haunted on. Fun show.
3: Sounds great.
2: First, we want to thank all of our militaries and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for all you guys, gals, and service animals for everything you do for us every day.
3: We appreciate y'all so much and continue prayers for you guys as you protect our country have our backs and keeping us safe we love you guys a lot
2: and just a reminder if you're going through a tough time reach out to somebody i can't explain how gratifying it is to look in the group and see that somebody has an issue and so many different responses underneath you know if somebody says hey i need to talk to somebody or i think i need to talk to somebody there's several responses just in a matter of you know minutes mm-hmm. and that makes me very happy to know that one that people are reaching out and two that people are taking it serious
3: yeah you guys are amazing and we can't thank you all enough to do that for us and for them um just even that you're we see that you're doing that for them it comforts us absolutely and we can't you know like i say we can't thank you guys enough you can always contact Jerry or I, and we'll be happy to talk to you, listen, whatever you need. And But if you want to go the other route, you can call 988, and you can also text 741-741, and there's always going to be somebody there that will help you, talk to you, do anything they can. So just please reach out.
2: And remember that 988 number is a crisis, crisis number. line. I always yeah, mean, so to mean to say that. So I, you don't have to be... Uh, in the throes of depression or something like that, if you're just struggling with anxiety or something, you can still call that number. Yeah. Whatever you're struggling with at that moment, there's somebody there to help you with. All right, Tracy, when I hear Augusta, Georgia, two things immediately come to mind. First is the Masters, which is probably the most famous golf tournament in the world. It's You get that coveted, ugly-ass green jacket for the winner.
3: <laughs> yeah, I haven't kind of figured that one out yet, but you know. <laughs> I guess you have to be a golfer to appreciate.
2: The second thing is the haunted pillar. Now, Ricky and I covered that story back on episode eight. Of course, that's no longer up on our main yes, feed, so that's correct. you don't have the uh, ability to go listen to it. So, if you didn't listen to it years ago, then it's going to be a new story for everybody.
3: <laughs> so, are you actually talking about a pillar or a, or a hillbilly pillar?
2: No, a pillar. Okay. A column. (laughs)
3: Okay. (laughs) I've called it a pillar back in the day.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now I need to give you some background on why we're doing this story again. I've actually thought about redoing this one several different times. Uh, Like I said, it's one that Ricky and I did, and we've done some, redone some of those stories. We redid Bobby Mackey's and Waverly Hills and a couple other ones. And there's actually two more that I wanted to do. I wanted to do this one, and I eventually wanted to do... The uh, public monster from Louisville. Mm-hmm. So that's one that'll probably end up getting done. And then a few days ago, I was talking to a fairly new listener by the name of Cola. And she is from the Augusta area.
3: Love that girl.
2: She brought up the haunted pillar to me. And I told her that <laughs> we had covered it, you know, way back. Uh, but because she asked about it, I was going to go ahead and redo it this week. Oh, cool. It was like Monday when I talked to her. Now get this. A few hours later, I'm talking to Bailey Landrum, who does the ghost tours up in uh, Savannah, Georgia.. Mm-hmm. She sends me a message and says, "Hey, I had some guests on from Augusta, and Bailey actually remembered about the pillar and she told them about the haunted pillar that she heard from our story years ago.
3: Yeah that so just that, that literally blows got brought up twice in a couple happens.
2: hour period. Is't that
3: the craziest thing? this is just crazy to me,
2: so. Cool, it's meant she to wrote be. She also tell me about it, and I said, "You're not going to believe this, but actually, that's what we're doing, covering it again this week." So, like I said, it, it doesn't really get brought up very often, but it was brought up twice within three hours of each other.
3: Yep. Well, it's meant to be. All
2: right, so let's get into the legend, and I actually love, love, love the story so much so that I'm excited about doing it again. All right. So you probably can't even tell that I'm sick as a dog right now. <laughs> I'm nauseous, and I don't even want to be sitting up, and stuff may come out of both ends before I'm through. But Uh, you won't know it.
3: TMI, bud.
2: Because I'm excited about doing this story. (laughs) So what exactly is the haunted pillar? Well, it's exactly what it sounds like. Back in 1820, there was a marketplace structure that was built in Augusta. And this was a pillar in the very front of the lower market building. That's what they called it. I think there was four.
3: Four of them? There was four, four pillars. yes. Okay. Hey, I can really honestly say I don't remember this story because I wasn't a part you of it. You weren't a part
2: of it. <laughs> <laughs> There's good reason for that. And this was before cell phones. Oh. So now we're going to fast forward to 1878. The marketplace was a symbol of Augusta's busty economy.
3: I like big busty. boobs?
2: I said busty. I meant to say bustling economy, <laughs> not busty. I
3: know where your mind is?
2: I don't know. That might maybe one of their main exports was milk. It could be. People came here to get their vegetables, cotton, livestock, and other necessities. Just think of a farmer's market that you probably see today, but on steroids. Nice. This was before radio and television, so people also came here to catch up on news, politics, and gossip.
3: No, well, I mean, I guess so.
2: You Did imagine sitting home, some
3: people, yeah.
2: You're sitting at home and it's like, uh, Harry, what's going on with them damn Republicans and Democrats? It's like, you know, I don't know that I haven't been to the market yet. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Now, because of the great weather and year-round warmth, people flocked here.
3: I mean, goodness, that has to be such a great event for them just to get out and see other people and mingle.
2: Sounds like a blast. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But disaster would soon strike in the form of a tornado oh. tearing all of the structure down, except for the single pillar. That was in 1878.
3: Wait, the tornado didn't happen when they, everybody was at the market, did it? No. Oh, well, good, no. good.
2: The question, though, is, was this tornado because of a curse? You listen to the story, and you make your own decision. You genuinely have not heard the story. Okay. The story about the curse has been passed down for several generations. Now, in the 1860s, the Civil War actually destroyed lots of cities in the South. Those cities were forced to start completely over. They had to rebuild everything. Oh, man.
3: Because
2: as the Civil War troops would come through, they would literally burn.
3: Burn all the places down. And destroy
2: everything. everything. Augusta, though, was not one of those cities. And they felt this actually gave them an upper hand by not having to rebuild the city. They could actually become one of the top cities in the entire South. They became one of the top exporters of cotton. They also had great soil and the right climate for cotton. You could grow cotton from April till October there. Wow. So it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Because of Augusta's cash crop, the city became a booming metropolis. At the center of all this was the marketplace. Now, this was the social center of the town. Like you said, that was a big deal. That's where everybody went to hang out and talk and Mm -hmm. and do stuff. One day, a traveling minister came through town, though. No one knew who he was or where he came from. Now, this was not uncommon back then. Traveling ministers would come through towns all the time.
3: All right. Not, I mean, didn't traveling, any kind of traveling people come through or?
2: Well, yeah, but I mean, but but it's like he would, traveling ministers would just travel and speak the word of God and just city after city. They wouldn't make one place their own home. Oh, okay. They would just travel around and Mm -hmm. just speak at revivals and stuff like that. So this preacher comes here. He makes his way to the marketplace and he probably figured this was a good idea since there would be a large crowd there. I mean, I do that sometimes. I'll just go up in the middle of Walmart and just start doing comedy or something. I know. Or still have a ghost story. do
3: why you do that.
2: Well, I mean, you get your crowds where you get them. Those are our people.
3: Yeah, those are our people. Anyway,
2: mm. he, he makes his way in to the marketplace and he starts preaching about fire and brimstone stuff. I mean, he's being very aggressive. Well,
3: he's, dude, he just went right for it.
2: He's telling everybody that they need to repent or they're going to hell, that kind of stuff.
3: Why is he trying to scare everybody?
2: Well, As you can imagine, most of the shoppers felt that this wasn't the time or the place.
3: That's our happy place.
2: Right. He was yelling and screaming and singling people out. Some tried to ignore him. Eventually, they figured eh, he'll just leave and, and that'd be it. And he eventually would leave. Then he'd come back the very next day.
3: <laughs> he wasn't done.
2: <laughs> then came the straw that broke the camel's back. One day, he started demanding that the people inside the marketplace build him his own church. He wanted his own church right there in town in Augusta.
3: Well, he's a go-for-it kind of preacher. I'll give him that.
2: Enough was enough. And realizing that he wasn't going to go anywhere on his own, a group of people decided that they were going to physically remove him (gasps) from the marketplace. They picked him up. They pretty much threw him out. Had a few choice words and said, you're not welcome back here. And no, we're not building you a church. Dang. He left, but not before walking up to the pillar and placing his hand on it. He then proceeds to say that a great and mighty wind will come and destroy this building. And the only thing left standing will be this pillar. To remind them that, of their rejection of him and the word of God. And if anybody tries to remove that pillar, they will be struck dead. And with that, he walked off and was never seen again. Well, the people didn't really think much of his rambling. They already had enough of him. He was just a crazy old man as far as they were concerned. And that would soon change, though. Things got back to normal, pretty much. The minister was forgotten. Then on February 8th, 1878, severe weather came to the area.
3: I so you just going to mm-hmm. say severe willer. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> severe weather happened?
2: Severe weather came to the area. Now, there was no modern-day technology to put out severe storm warnings or tornado warnings right, or anything so like today. Uh, not that it's much better today. No, that's true. So to the residents of Augusta, this was was just another bad storm. Most went to bed like any other night, but this was a supercell storm. That's the most severe and the least common of thunderstorms.
3: Oh, and it happened at night too. This is
2: a combination of warm and cold cells. What happens uh, from my understanding is in one of these supercells, it's almost like it's, it's cold air up on top. Mm-hmm. And it sucks the warm air up from the ground, mm-hmm. and the two mix, and they kind of fight it out with each other. Yeah. And that just doesn't work out well. In the early morning hours, a tornado made its way through downtown Augusta. It was very short, touched in, and was and was gone again within 30 minutes. But it would be known in the area, according to all the newspapers, as the Great Cyclone. The entire marketplace structure was completely destroyed, except for the one pillar that the preacher had placed his hand on.
3: Well, wait, when there are four, did the other three survive?
2: No, just that one. Oh,
3: just that one. The one
2: he put his hand on that he said would be left was the oh. one that was left. And there are pictures, you can look up pictures of this, of, of the destroyed thing with that one pillar standing. Wow. Now... I don't know how true that story is. People swear that actually happened. Yeah. That, that uh, with the preacher coming in right. and giving his warning and all that. So that's the story. And then the city grew around the pillar. The pillar sat at the street corner of Fifth and Broad Street. So question Why didn't the city just tear it down?
3: Well, I'd probably be scared to.
2: Well, I guess the question would be though is it really cursed? And well, Remember, the preacher said that if anyone tried to move it, they would die. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he was right about the great wind taking down everything except for the pillar. So, you know, who knows? I would have believed it. Now, obviously, not everyone bought into this curse stuff, at least not right away. A year after the tornado, the pillar was pretty much just standing all alone out in the the field area. That's the first time that someone decided to move it. A local grocer by the name of Theodore I, he saw a business opportunity.
3: So they didn't try to rebuild around that anymore? Okay. No.
2: I don't know why they wouldn't have rebuilt that thing.
3: I mean, I don't know either. If it
2: was so, so successful. But anyway, this guy sees a business opportunity. He knew the legend and he thought this would actually be a great way to draw attention to his grocery business. So, word traveled fast that he was going to try to take down the pillar. He paid $50 each to two gentlemen who were going to move the pillar for him. It was a beautiful, sunny day. A crowd gathered outside to watch these men tie rope off on the pillar. They tied rope in several sections and they were going to pull it down by rope.
3: I feel dumb asking this. What was the pillar made out of? Was it like concrete? Concrete. Okay, I just want to make sure.
2: They tie rope to this pillar. And as they're up on the ladder, finishing tying everything off, the sky began to darken. And a boat of lightning came from out of nowhere and hit the pillar, killing both men.
3: I'll be dang. That preacher was not playing.
2: You can bet that everyone in the town now believed that that column was cursed. But, was that just a coincidence? Could be. Bad stroke of luck. Or bad strike of luck. In 1940, an out-of-towner had come come in, just traveling through, didn't looking not looking for anything specific, but he was made aware of the pillar mm-hmm. somehow, like at a diner or something. Somebody brought it up. He's one of these badass types, James Dean type. Mm-hmm. He decided, you know what, um, you guys are just a bunch of local townies and. You don't know crap. There's no such thing as curses and all that. So, of course, when he heard about the legend, he laughed at it. And he made a decision that he was going to prove that the legend was wrong. He goes up to the pillar. He ties a chain around the pillar. And then the other end of the chain to his bumper of his truck. He tried to get it to give, you know, gets in the, the truck to give it some gas. Tries to pull it over and it wouldn't pull over. Well, I mean, duh. I mean, you could think that you might be able. pillar. It's really not that big of a pillar.
3: Oh, I was thinking it might have a really wide No, I mean, base. it looks
2: It looks to me like maybe it's seven or eight feet tall. Mm-hmm. It's not very tall. Is it the very wide? Is it? Huh? Was it's it wide? It's as wide as a regular pillar. <laughs> okay.
3: Fantastic. Not as wide
2: as a catter. <laughs> Anyways. The, the pillar didn't budge. So, he then gets out of the truck and he starts pushing on it. You know, because.
3: You know. He-Man.
2: Yeah, you couldn't you get the truck to to budget, but, you know, you're going to be able to just push it over. After not being able to push it over, he laughs, he gets back in his truck, and he takes off. And he was killed in a car accident shortly after just getting outside of town. Now, these are true stories.
3: Wow.
2: Coincidence? Still could be a coincidence, but it's not looking good.
3: Oh, my goodness.
2: From this point on, it was known as the Killer Pillar.
3: Killer Pillar? So the people in the town knew that this man died in a car wreck? Yes. Okay.
2: Locals have heard about this legend from their parents and their grandparents, and many were afraid to even walk past it, and most would never touch it. A young lady in town by the name of Sharla. She said that she might stand next to it, but she would never touch it gentleman by the name of Carlton said basically the same thing. He just said that he doesn't believe in tempting fate. He says it's nice, you know, that it's history and all that. But as far as going near it or touching it, uh, that's a no for him.
3: No, I would not either. Oh, what if somebody accidentally pushed you and you fell into it? I wonder what happens <laughs> I then. I
2: don't think that counts the same.
3: Okay, good. Because, you know, like if Becky was there, she'd probably trip <laughs> over a pebble and fall into it.
2: <laughs> or a shadow. <laughs> Not everyone took this advice, though. The what most, is
3: wrong with people? The
2: most well-known story about this took place in the 1930s to John Henry von Sprecken. I like that name. Mm-hmm. John Henry was a very well-known and respected man in town. He was very friendly and one of the leaders of the church. John Henry walked by the pillar, and he saw that there were some parts of it that had broken off and was laying on the ground. Okay. Because you know it's old; it's going to start yeah. crumbling. Yeah. All right.
3: Bit. Oh, no.
2: He picked up some of the pieces, and then he made his way over to the church. While he was sitting at church, he started to feel sick. He then fainted and fell out of the pew onto the ground. He had parishioners rush over to him, try to help, but he was out cold. Wait, did
3: he have the piece of rock in his hand? Yes, he had it in his pocket. What the heck? He was
2: on the way to church when he saw it. Okay. As soon as he woke up, the first thing he said was, We need to take these pieces back to the pillar.
3: And everybody else is like, I ain't touching that daggone rock.
2: Well, we'll walk over with you. Words spread around town pretty quickly, obviously. And eventually, they repaired the column. But John Henry told everyone about his run-in with the pillar for as long as he lived. It's not a joke with him.
3: But, okay, how did they repair it, though? I'm sure nobody wanted to touch
2: it. I guess they probably felt like that that if you're doing something good, you you're wouldn't, forgiven. you know, I mean, why not? I mean, it's you're trying to help it, not hurt it.
3: Oh, that's true.
2: Here's the key thing, though. John Henry didn't die. So people then thought, okay, so maybe touching the pillar isn't necessarily a death sentence. I still wouldn't have
3: trusted it. Nope.
2: One of the more recent stories is that of uh, a gentleman by the name of John. Now, he moved to Augusta three years earlier because of the military. He was well aware of the legend. One day, his mom came to visit him, and uh, they went and had some fun at the local museum where they saw a flyer or pamphlet, I guess Mm -hmm. pamphlet's probably a better word, of the pillar. He felt that the legend was all BS, of course. He hadn't seen the pillar before, but his mom wanted to go see it before she left, and they decided that he, his wife, and his mom wanted to go over there since it was right up the road from the museum. So they get up, they go over there, John said they initially passed it up, because if you didn't know it was there, and you weren't specifically looking for it, even though they were It didn't really stand out, so it was easy to pass up. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, it sits on a busy street corner now. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all these buildings and stuff, and you got that there, and you got light Kind of blends in. Yeah, kind of blends in. Exactly. Once they found it, though, he, his wife, and his mom decided to take some pictures. But John got a little cocky. He started rubbing all over it. He was kissing on it and stuff like that, making fun of Okay, that's
3: just disrespectful.
2: Well, this really kind of pissed his wife and his mom off. They're like you know you're you're not taking this seriously yeah you're asking that. for trouble his mom left town and john became deathly sick out of nowhere coughs fever uh some chest pain some chest tight chest tightening he coughed so much that he would end up vomiting john said that he had never been this sick in his entire life still it never crossed his mind that it could have anything to do with this pillar So a day or two later, he went to see a doctor. And the doctor said he couldn't find anything wrong with him. He sent him home and said, look, just come back next week if if you're still having some issues. It went on for six straight weeks. He went back to the doctor every week for six straight weeks. And the doctor still couldn't diagnose anything that was wrong with him. In fact, they were at a complete loss as to how he could have this many symptoms and nothing show up in the blood work or anything. The fever got so high that John started hallucinating. At one point, he was sitting on their couch, and he started laughing. And his wife's like, uh, what are you laughing at? And he told his wife that the cat's tail just ran across the floor. <laughs> when he makes the connection that maybe this, this might have something to do with the pillar, he said the illness went away almost completely instantly. John said he's told everyone, stand next to it, take your pictures, but do not touch the pillar. (laughs) Now, with all that being said, the haunted pillar is no longer there. What? Oddly enough, in the case that I'm going to tell you about, the haunted pillar actually saved lives. The pillar was destroyed December 8th, 2000, I'm sorry, 18th, December 18th, 2016. Two cars were involved in an accident with one of the cars coming up on the sidewalk and smashing directly into the pillar. The man who wrecked into it, a gentleman by the name of Corey Tyler, said that if it wasn't for the pillar, they would have crashed into the building directly behind it. He thinks that without a doubt that saved their lives by hitting the pillar first.
3: Wow.
2: Oddly enough, this is not the first time that the pillar has been damaged by a vehicle. In 1958, a cotton truck sideswiped it, leveling the pillar. The pillar was rebuilt, as it has been several times since 1878. The pillar's luck finally ran out, though, on this last accident, and it was not rebuilt by the city.
3: I mean, I'm like, why would you keep rebuilding it if it was such bad luck?
2: I guess they were just superstitious, maybe. Mm. But just so you know, I I thought this was just interesting. Our original episode came out on October 2nd, 2016, just eight weeks before it was destroyed. It had been there since 1878. No way. And it literally was destroyed, you know. Eight weeks before or after our episode <laughs> well, came out. Well,
3: yeah, that's pretty crazy. I'm not
2: blaming us for the jinx, but...
3: Yeah. Just say. Wow, what a story.
2: Anyways, we're going to take a uh, quick sponsor break. We'll be back with some housekeeping, and then we'll listen to Nat and Allie. All right. All right, Tracy. So, uh, real quick, just a cruise update. There is no update. <laughs> They're, the the cruise company is taking a lot longer to come out with the dates we need and that's what the hold up is yeah can't get pricing until you got dates and they don't have the dates so well,
3: i mean i'd rather than know for sure than you know we start out saying something that's gonna get changed i know
2: i just wanted to get it done as quick as possible oh i so. know
3: all right.
2: anyway so that's you know when i know something i'll know something um that's wow well i know that's kind of way i feel too <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about some live shows that we do know that's going on wow Gatlinburg with Tony from the Confessionals. Uh, it's amazing to me how tickets are going. That show is on September 30th. It's the last one we've got scheduled, and we've already sold almost half the tickets. Mm-hmm. So they're going like crazy.
3: That's the best time to be in Gatlinburg, too, yes, man. Yes, it is. Oh, it's it's yes, my it is. favorite.
2: And it's our anniversary, which is, is usually is. when we go to Gatlinburg anyway.
3: Yep. I love it so much.
2: With that being said, um, our, a couple weeks before, I think it's the 10th and the 11th, we're actually going to be at uh, a convention. We were invited to be special guests at a convention down there in Pigeon Forge. So we'll be then we'll be in Pigeon Forge and then turn right around two weeks later and have that show in Gatlinburg.
3: That makes me happy.
2: I, I, I do know it not does. have
3: a problem with that.
2: But it's called Smoky Mountain Terror, and if you go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, there is a link. Where you can get tickets there.
3: Yeah, you guys come on. Jason Halls
2: is gonna be there and a few other paranormal nice. people. They're still building their list. This is a really cheap event to go to. It's yeah. like fifteen bucks F- a ticket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So most of these things are 30, 40 bucks a ticket. And this is gonna be like 15 bucks. So yeah. it'll be cool. Hope and to you, see you guys. And you get to be in Pigeon Forge. Now, also the haunted jail that we're doing in uh May with Tragedy of Cinema and uh Middle Age and Creeped Out. Those tickets are going really quick. Mm-hmm. I think we've sold we've sold almost half of those tickets. Yep. There's only 40 tickets available, and the uh, room is really limited there. But that's going to be a blast, so you want to go ahead and snag your tickets to that one.
3: <laughs> Ninja.
2: <laughs> the two shows in April, the one in Louisville with uh, Ohio, and the one um, in Middletown, Ohio at the Haunted Post Town Elementary School. With uh, Cryptids of the Corn, those tickets are flying off. So you guys are like outdoing yourself on buying tickets right now.
3: Yeah, thank you guys so much. We cannot wait to see you all.
2: But both of those shows are limited too. It's 60 tickets for the one at Post Town Elementary. And I think it's uh, 75 tickets maybe for the one in Louisville. Mm -hmm. And uh, guys, I'm so excited about stuff we got planned for you guys. We have upgraded our entire thing. We've got a really nice projector system and a screen. So when we introduce uh, the shows, we can actually have uh, a really nice videos and stuff playing. Then we've got we bought a new laser light set. So instead of just the color disco lights, we're going to have lasers and stuff uh, shining up on on everybody during the introductions. Uh, we got a new tablecloth. Y'all might not be excited (laughs) about that, but I am. (laughs)
3: It's the little things, people. It is
2: the little thing, but but it's going to look completely different. We're banners, you know. We're doing instead of our same banner behind us every time with just our name, we're doing a different banner for every show. So with any shows that are actually on the bill with us that night, they're all on the banner, and then uh, we'll do something if we're not having to use the banner again uh, for another show, like the ones with us for Ohio and Mysterious Circumstances. We got to use it like two or three times. Mm-hmm. So, but at the these other ones. At the end of the night, we'll just auction it off, or not auction it, but we'll just give it away to somebody. We'll just hand out uh, raffle tickets or something at the beginning of the show. And if you win it, we'll just, everybody assigned a banner and you can take it home with you. <laughs> I think it'd be cool. Okay. People would like that.
3: <laughs> She's
2: so hard to impress.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry, babe.
2: Anyways. <laughs> That's kind of what we got going on, live events and stuff. Tracy, what do you got going on over there?
3: All right. iTunes, we have our wonderful Mojo Lobster. And we have Tim and Dana. Thank you guys for your uh, beautiful reviews. We love you all so much. We had no new Patreons this week, and that's okay. We just want to continue to thank you all for your support for us. And we're, um, I don't know. Hopefully moving on to better things and more shows and more fun stuff. The more of you guys we get to meet is in our future. And that's what we look forward to. Absolutely. Everything about you guys. It's all about you guys.
2: Now you guys can look forward to meeting Nat and Allie from Let's Get Haunted. Hey guys, very seldom do I actually fall in love with a podcast and then reach out to the host Figuring they probably have no clue who the hell I am, but I want to get them on the show. And that's what happened here. So I started listening to a podcast called Let's Get Haunted, and I fell in love with it instantly. There is a lot of um, uh, chatter. That's what some people call it. I think that's a negative connotation. There's a lot of chatter at the beginning of the show, but that's actually the part of the show that I love the best. And uh, for those who don't love it, I know there's a lot of you who don't, they actually put in the show notes where you can fast forward to the minute mark and, and skip all that part. So, but I want to welcome the host of Let's Get Haunted, Nat and Allie on the show. Welcome guys.
0: Hello. So happy, happy to be here. I'm so excited. Yeah. Thank you for reaching out
1: to us. Wow, we've never had an introduction that was flattering like that before.
0: So thank you. (laughs) I can't stop smiling. That made me feel good. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's funny because on our show, we often do talk about how there are some people who don't like our intros. But for every one person there is who doesn't like the intro, there's like 15 people who are like, please don't take the intros away or make a Patreon. That's just the intros. So we're just going to keep doing them, I guess, you know, until (laughs) the people who don't want them outweigh the people who do want them. I don't know.
2: Well, it's funny because like I said, it's, it's a dilemma that a lot of podcasters have had. You can't please everybody. I know, uh, uh, M and Christine from, and that's why we drink. They've ran into that. I don't know how many times. And, you know, I was telling Christine, I was like, just do you the, you know, I think they've had, they've done pretty well with the way they've structured it. Don't let a few bullies uh, get you out of what you did. Now for us, we were doing that a lot in the beginning and, and, uh. I just kind of tailored it off. I tried to make sure we get into the story within five minutes and we'll save the chit chat for the middle or for the end. And if people don't like it, they can turn it off then. But, you know, it's all about finding a happy medium and, and what works for some won't work for others and vice versa.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we have so much to learn from from you and your podcast. You've been doing this for, for quite a long time. And
0: yeah, so we're just super
1: we're super excited to be here and to get haunted and yeah
0: yeah and for those who don't know us um our podcast the way that it's structured is the first 30 minutes or so are us talking about personal hauntings which is what this term we've come up with that just means anything inconvenient or out of the ordinary <laughs> that's happened to us that week so it could range from um for example, last year I got attacked by a guy with a sword in a parking lot. That was a personal mm-hmm. haunting for the first 30 minutes. Um, Natalia always has good, interesting yeah,
1: story. Yeah, it could range from, you know, you were late for an interview to you had to go to jail. So, <laughs> you know, it could be anywhere on the spectrum. And, and so both we, of those
0: things have been in personal hauntings before.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess then if we're going to hijack your show for a little bit, do you have a personal haunting you would like to share this week?
2: That's a good one. You know, one time (laughs) I I haven't, I haven't told the story very often, but I thought it was kind of funny. I used to serve papers for the courts in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And one night I went to a house way out in the middle of nowhere. This was in the country. And uh, I had left a card that, you know, said, you know, hey, who I was with, I was with the U.S. District Courts and I had a subpoena to serve. Give me a call back mm-hmm. with well, a couple calls me and I explain what it's about it was over a lawsuit over a car wreck some years ago. And uh, they said, OK, yeah, come on. Come on out. Let's uh, you know, we'll get it taken care of. And that's the way I was used to it being done. No issues. Mm-hmm. I bring I bring my wife uh, at the time. I'm like, hey, I got to drive back out to this place. It's about 45, 50 minutes away. And uh, you want to come with me? So we went. This should have been as simple as walking up. Here's the paper. Give me your signature. Bye. So I yeah. pull up into the into the driveway, and uh, I I pulled up too far. He guides me in. He's you know come on up. And then there's a a big log, so you can't go any further. But I'm up to the very front of his driveway. He's working on a uh, he's cleaning off a uh, uh, lawn tractor. So a little. Uh, just a, moment, uh, you know, a mower basically, but he's mm-hmm. cleaning it off. And I'm thinking nothing of it. Well, he eventually drives the lawnmower over behind my car. Uh-oh. And then his wife comes out with a video camera. And then they're basically telling me I'm not going anywhere. And it's got kind of heated. I kind of said some choice words and like, you know, <laughs> just so you know, this is against the law. You can't Imprison somebody by blocking their car in and keeping them on your property. And you know, he's gonna call the sheriff, he knows the sheriff, and he's gonna make sure this is all legit and <laughs> all this stuff. So his wife's filming the whole thing on the video camera, it's literally like something you'd see on TV. Oh my god, right, and uh, you know, these two people were not in the sound mind, trust me. And uh <laughs> after waiting about 30 minutes the sheriff's not there he agrees to let me go we get in the car we go and we and as we're leaving down this dirt road we pass up the sheriff we flag him down tell him what the situation is he says follow me back up i go back up there and the guy fills out the paperwork and uh and and that was it but i mean that was just one of those situations that you can you always expect the unexpected you know. Well, right, and I found that, that
0: people who say that they know the law are very often the people that definitely don't. So anytime someone says that to me, a little flag goes off in my head that I know I this feel like, is going to a hard time.
1: So, So your job was to serve papers. Did you ever dress up or wear disguises or have to stake out somebody to serve them?
2: Well... You have to stake out people on a regular basis in the state of Kentucky, where I was, it's illegal to use trickery. So there was no dressing up like a UPS worker oh, or something like that. You couldn't do that. Now, if I want to just walk up with a box as I've done before, if I wanted to just walk up with a box and knock on a door and hand it to somebody and then them open it and had to the paperwork and say they were served. You could do that, but technically, I wasn't trying to pretend to be somebody else. I let them make an assumption. Um, no, as far know. as staking people out, this is this is a quick story, but uh, <laughs> there was a woman who her and her husband had a lot of money. He was from Romania. He lived in the United States now, but he lived in the, out in a part of Kentucky where his house was about a 12,000-square-foot house, I think is what she told me. And, uh, I mean, it was worth something like, you know, $2 million. And this was Mm -hmm. 12, 13 years ago. And she was trying to serve him divorce papers. Now, he only had a year once you filed to be able to get it served. And they were coming up on the last two weeks, I think it was. He was getting ready to catch a plane to go out of the country for a while. So this was it. So I had to kind of watch it. And every time I tried to serve him that day, the housekeeper would never go get him and all this stuff. Well, eventually she gets home and she calls me. She said, he's in the house right now. Come. Well, I was only literally I was around the corner, but I could still see the driveway to make sure he didn't leave on me. I come in the house. She lets me in. She tells me. He's got places built to hide in the house. And he's up in the attic. So she took me up to the attic. His (laughs) name was Daniel. I'll never forget. She takes me up to the attic. And it's like, we're in the bedroom of their house. You go in the store and there literally was a walkway that you could walk all the way around the top of the house. It was just big enough to fit through one person. (laughs) But then as you got around, it opened up to the attic and he was sitting up there with a drink. Uh, smoking a (laughs) smoking a cigarette and and she says there he is so i had to walk over to him and hand him his paperwork now there's no flooring up here it's just rafters oh wow wow and inflation and and he said uh yeah and he said uh he said do you uh do you carry a gun and i said no and he said, well, I do. And he just looked oh. down and I hightailed it out of there. He was already served in the, in at least in the state of Kentucky. If, if they knew why you were there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: they didn't have to sign it. They didn't have to take it. They just had to know that you were there and that was your job. So I, even though we were, you know, across from each other. All I had to do was lay it down. It was a done deal. But I hightailed it out of there. I was knocking stuff over as I was trying to go through this little crawl space around the uh, top of the house and get out of there. But that's that's uh, that's one where I actually had to stake the guy out for a while. But the, the staking people I think was pretty common.
1: That is definitely a personal haunting yes. if
2: I've ever heard one before. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Having yeah, to crawl speaking, through the walls.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. As he was speaking, I was thinking, like, this would be – money if somebody if one of us experienced this this would be the personal haunting of the week for sure yeah
2: for sure i tried to pitch that as a television show because at the time i was also a stand-up comedian so (laughs) i I was like you know process server by day stand-up comedian at night how could you not want to see this
1: right yeah exactly i feel like that's a daniel franco movie or something what's his name no david david frank what's the name of that actor James what? Franco? Yeah. I James, think, yeah. I, just, I, think I, just one of, I just said one of Alyssa's ex-boyfriend's names. <laughs> I, wow. know,
0: I know. I did. <laughs> I like froze for a second. I was like, what do you mean? Is he an actor now? Did I miss out on my opportunity? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, everybody.
2: <laughs> well, let, let's do this before we carry on. How do you guys know each other? How did this start up?
1: I'll let Allie take the lead on this one.
0: Yeah. Uh. Well, I met Natalia because we both rushed the same sorority. So I rushed the year before her. We both went to a very small private um, Catholic college, which I think mm-hmm. for both of us was kind of a culture shock. And really the only way to make friends there because it was so small was either join a club or join a sorority or a fraternity. So I waited a year because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it or not. And then my sophomore year, I ended up rushing And then when I was a junior, she rushed her sophomore year. And I was like, perfect. Nobody ever rushes sophomore year. I want her as my little sis. And a little sis is basically where you just take somebody under your wing who's new in the sorority. And then we just became friends ever since.
1: You know what? I transferred into that university. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any friends. I had nothing to lose. So I was just like, you know, I'm going to go rush. And I'm just going to be 100% true myself. And I went, you go on like these like dates to match yourself with these other people in the sorority. And I had gone on, they're like, you know, lunch dates or whatever. I had gone on a couple before Alyssa's and I could just tell that they were bad. Like I've never been on a really bad date before, but like those experiences where just like, you can just tell that the people don't like you. And then afterwards they just like, don't text you. They don't message you. There's no like, hey, are we going to do it again? Or like, oh, you know, like it was just, they were just terrible. But then when Alyssa and I hung out, it was super fun. And we were very, I don't, what's the word? We never behaved a day in our life, I don't think. (laughs) So we had a great time. And a lot of the girls in our sorority um, were a little judgmental of like how much fun we had together. And so eventually I think that they, That was our downfall within the actual sorority. We became better friends with each other than we did with everyone else. And eventually, we weren't necessarily kicked out, but we just uh, dissolved our relationship with (laughs) the sorority, um, I think, in in, an informal sense. Yeah. yeah,
0: I really uh, was drawn to Natalia because like I said, it was sort of a culture shock going to a private uh, college. I was there on scholarship and it was the first time, for example, that i had ever seen designer jeans. Um, I'm from California, but I'm from a farming community in California and Natalia is from Oklahoma City. So yeah. mm-hmm. I was looking for someone that maybe felt a little more rural, if that makes sense. And I yeah. feel like I was so excited when I met Natalia and she was like, I'm from Oklahoma. I ride horses. And yeah. I felt like we we really bonded.
1: <laughs> I gotta tell you about this piece of shit truck she had when I met her. This <laughs> this uh it this truck was such a piece that it would turn off randomly when we were on the highway. So we would just yeah. be two girls in this little truck. I think it was like a Ford Ranger, like very, very old one. And mm-hmm. it would just suddenly turn off and Alyssa would get out this huge bucket of keys. There was like fifty keychains on it, and she'd be putting it in the ignition, like <laughs> as we're going like 65 miles an hour down the 405 freeway and i didn't know any better and we usually had like a big box of pizza in the middle too on the console so i just feel like we were very you know we we're sort of the reckless bunch and uh yeah yeah we 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 had a lot of fun that's that's definitely how we met <laughs>
0: Yeah, it had a so, kill switch. If you know if you're familiar with old Ford Rangers, the kill switch was on the passenger side and it's only hidden by a very thin layer of plastic. So if you have a tall person in your passenger seat and they kick that off while you're driving, they could kick the kill switch very easily.
2: So what you're saying is is Nat actually was responsible for killing that truck. You
0: know Thank you for pointing that out. I feel like me and my (laughs) shitty truck have gotten the brunt of this story, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad that somebody pointed out that it was her fault.
1: Yeah, I never made that connection before until this moment, and I'm pretty sure (laughs) Alyssa has said that before, but it just never really clicked. I was like, huh, okay. (laughs) So yeah, I guess I'm sorry for that one.
2: It's just odd that every time I'm in a truck, it dies when we're going down the freeway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's what I thought. I was like, why do we have this truck that's like risking our lives every time we get in it? But apparently it was just me. So that's
2: fine. So Allie, how did you guys hook up for the podcast? What is it about uh, the paranormal or uh, cryptids or anything else going on that uh, made you two a perfect match for the podcast?
0: All right, I'm going to say something controversial, but hear me out. So what ended (laughs) up connecting us uh, through the paranormal and kind of the macabre, was actually 9-11. And I'm not joking. <laughs> there was one night, sorry, or it sounds ridiculous, but I'm being honest. There was one night after college, no, in college, where mm-hmm. both of us were up until like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., but separately in our own homes. And we weren't partying or anything. I don't even know why we were both awake, but she texted me and was like, oh my God, I'm watching this video on 9-11 on YouTube and I like it's so awful but I can't stop watching it was one of one of the documentaries and she sends it over to me and I happen to be awake she didn't know I was awake and I was like are you are you shitting me right now I'm literally (laughs) watching 9-11 videos on YouTube and we were like what the fuck and like Natalia said in college definitely we were a little bit odd compared to everyone else at the private school so Um, Nobody else was entertained by this. Everyone was horrified. They were like, oh my God, why are you guys watching these videos in your spare time? But it, it wasn't in a disrespectful way. It was just fascination with things, maybe like the dark side of humanity or fascination by tragedy. And then that kind of spiraled or evolved over time into a fascination with not only tragedy, but also Kind of like the unknown or underbelly mm-hmm. of yeah. entertainment in general. So anything paranormal, supernatural, we've kind of always been into. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Natalia.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it was just like having spent so much of our lives sheltered from those sorts of emotions and those kind of things. like, the only time we would see that kind of violence and destruction would be, like, in a, you know, a movie that was clearly fake, and so to see that happening in real life was just, I think, at that very young age we were at, I mean, you just, you know, you're in college, you just move out of your uh, caretaker's home or whatever, you're on your own for the first time, and you're starting to discover the world, so I think that it was, like, uh, an offshoot of that of that feeling of independence of like oh okay I can do what I want I can stay out late I can go to sleep when I want I can also take in whatever content I want and for whatever reason it was just finding out the weirdest things that were were on the internet and uh yeah it started with nine eleven, but then yeah it devolved into oh aliens or have you heard of this or this is creepypasta and then we went On um, a very fateful trip to Joshua Tree National Park, where on the whole drive down there, I don't even know whose idea this was, it just, for some reason, we were reading scary, like, desert murder, like, getting trapped stories, and we read this one that was like, oh... Uh, you're driving down the highway to get to joshua tree and then a group of like people stop you and they're cannibals and you, they they like get you out of their car and there's nothing you can do about it because they're like devil worship worshiping cannibals and so then we go to uh camp out in joshua tree that night and we're like how the fuck are we supposed to sleep because we think that there's like devil worshiping cannibals all around us and so i don't know there's just like a fascination with being scared but also like i really hate being scared but i I I hate it, so I don't know why I keep coming back to it, but like, I do.
2: (laughs) It's funny. As soon as you mentioned uh, the Joshua Tree, I I was thinking about Graham Parsons and uh, his situation. We just did an episode.
1: Yeah. We just did an episode on Graham Parsons and his haunted cremation ritual in uh, Joshua Tree. But we had never known about that when we were driving out there. So that was a recent episode we did. It's funny bring that up
2: so let me ask you this I'll start with Allie because I'm gonna get to both of you but what story have you covered so far that either intrigued you the most or just stood out as a wow factor is there one that one or two that actually stand out to you
0: there are yeah there are a lot um we have very few episodes that we put out that I am not interested by, I think I can think of maybe like one episode that might be a throwaway that I did. But most of the time, I think that's what makes our podcast successful is that Natalia and I, we only look at stuff that's interesting to us. But one that blew me away was our episode on Randonautica uh, that we did two years ago, I think. And in that episode, Um, I was researching this application called Randonautica, which if your listeners don't know what it is, it was really popular during the pandemic and it's a random number generator. But they have hooked up this random number generator to your location on a map. And then their random number generator will, will generate a random set of GPS coordinates near you and you need to go out and travel to that location. And there was a lot of talk online about on Reddit um, about, oh, you know, this might have nefarious purposes. Why, how is it generating these numbers? And I went on this mission to figure out what the theory behind it was. And we ended up being able to interview the CEO of that company. And then we also interviewed a former CIA scientist named Dean Radin. And he was talking to us about work that he's done with random number generators and how he has scientifically been able to show that there is a connection between your mind and a random number generator that we as humans can influence random number generators with our mind. And he worked on um, remote viewing with the CIA as well. He was part of Project Stargate, I want to say. And so just talking about that with him was so interesting. And we learned so many things that I I mean, sometimes when you're doing shows about the paranormal, maybe you can relate to this. You kind of keep in the back of your mind like this is really fun, but I don't know how true it is. But the thing that was really cool about interviewing him was, this is a professional. I think he went to Harvard. I don't remember this was a couple of years ago, but I mean, worked with the CIA, and he's telling us like, no, that's not silly. That's not silly to believe that. You know, that's this is real. Here's some stuff that I have witnessed. And he told us about a time that he was working on Project Stargate. and he was observing a a self-professed medium, and he said this was the most successful medium they came across. And what they would do is they would write down a code word they would stick it in a safe somewhere in the building and they wouldn't tell the medium what was written on it. They wouldn't tell them what was in the safe. And without fail, this medium was able to get them with, I want to say 98% accuracy, able to tell them, this is where you hid the piece of paper. And this is what the paper says. And there was no explanation for it. And he said that that really kind of changed the trajectory of the way that he thought about scientific experiment because he could not explain it. This And I mean, I trust that the CIA would be pretty careful with their controls and making sure people aren't overhearing things. And he also said that the reason why they were looking into it is because the U.S. government wanted to know if they could weaponize this sort of talent that they suspected that some people had and he said the only reason why that project was shut down is not because it was unsuccessful as was publicly stated but because they realized they can't weaponize it because you can't uh, there's no rhyme or reason to it sometimes and he said what they also discovered is the only way to block the psychic eye and these are his words he called it the psychic eye the only way to block it is to distract it so how do you distract it you would put a code word in a safe and then you'd put something more interesting in the safe. So the psychic eye thinks, oh, I must need to see this and completely misses the other thing that you're trying to hide. See, I already have like goosebumps right now. That was <laughs> definitely a very impactful episode for me.
1: Yeah. 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 That was a really good one. I, that's crazy to just think that there are the thing about the Randonautica. Uh, episode that I thought was really cool. Um, the application of uh, being able to meditate and change random number generators all over the globe. So that one of the tests that they did, I can't remember if it was Dean Raiden did this, I think, or perhaps he was recalling this uh, experiment that had happened before, but there's like random number generators all over the world. And when crazy shit happens, like when nine 11 happens or when a gi- giant tsunami happens, or there's like some sort of crazy event the random number generators will show anomalies all over the world that let the scientists who are doing the experiment know, oh, the people's consciousness, when something like catastrophic happens globally, like our global consciousness shifts enough that it changes these random number generators that are placed in different locations all over the globe. And in, in some ways, like it's I don't know. It's really, it's really interesting because there's a lot of people who practice mindfulness and a lot of people who practice meditation. And, um, you know, the science isn't like, Oh, you can meditate your illness away, or you can meditate yourself to a better job or whatever. But there, I I do think that there is something like, there's gotta be like a little bit of wiggle room in there. Like maybe you can meditate yourself into like having a better day. I don't know. know? (laughs) So I will
0: say what was crazy about that. Thank you, Natalia, for reminding me because the random number generator tests that Natalia is talking about were conducted by the Global Consciousness Project. And what was extremely crazy is, so we had never heard of this before. It was just a total fluke that we were able to get him on our show. And as I was driving to work, um, I want to say maybe four days after the episode went live, I had to stop driving my car and pull off on the side of this highway. It was a rural highway, so I didn't endanger anyone, but I had to stop and pull off to the side because there was a giant sign right by a farm that I work on. And it said, this highway is sponsored by the global consciousness project. And I had worked on this farm for years And I had never once looked at that sign, never thought about it, never heard of this small organization, never heard of these experiments, never heard of Dean Radin. And I was like, if that doesn't prove that there is some truth to the woo woo stuff in life, I don't know what does.
2: Yeah. I thought you were going to say you had to pull over because you hit the kill switch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. With my long gangly leg, I reached over (laughs) to the passenger side and knocked it out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know that goes along with the whole uh what's it what's it called uh talupas with being able to uh create uh an entity just because enough people think about it you know a la uh what was the one uh the, the tall slender. guy that the slender man the mm-hmm. the, the the people are like okay no that was just made up that's creepy pasta type stuff and other people like yeah but other people are starting to see it. So maybe it's been, you know, created just because so many people have thought about it. And- oh, that gives me the
1: chills. Uh, I hate that. We, we, I can't remember what episode we did, but we talked about Tolupas as, as one of the theories. Like, I think sometime in this season, but that just makes me so nervous because basically that's like you can anything that you're afraid of, just your fear can call it into existence. And that is like the scariest. Thing
2: possible in my yeah, opinion I mean, to a certain extent but the whole theory is that there a lot of people have to be on that exact same fear which I think can attribute to stories about the hat man or yes. uh, you know maybe sleep paralysis with the old hag maybe that's some of that going on but you know I've sat around I don't know how long and thought about needing you know and wanting a pizza but it don't ever show up so I think it takes more <laughs> than one person uh, to do it or otherwise <laughs> Otherwise, like having my... a
1: paranormal podcast where you talk about it, perhaps, though. Yeah, maybe.
2: <laughs> all I know is my whole teenage years, all I thought about was Farrah Fawcett. And she never once showed up on my doorstep. So. Man, I Touché.
0: love those memes going around the internet about the hat man, though. I saw one the other day that said, I can't take Benadryl anymore because I owe the hat man money. And I was laughing <laughs> for too long. <laughs> so Matt, what
2: about you what's what's a story you've done other than than that one i'm not gonna let you just piggyback on uh alleys and get away yeah. with it so to, tell me one that that it doesn't have to be I, I mean i expect you all to find all of your episodes interesting but mm-hmm. occasionally i'll research something and i know i'm going to be interested but then i'll find something out that was like wow i never would have expected that and uh okay.
1: I'll go in the opposite direction that Alyssa went in because she was very much talking about, I I feel like the Randonautica episode is the best episode to play to a skeptic because it's scientific and there's facts and it's all controlled and it's presented in this very matter of fact and easy to digest way. So I'm going to go the opposite way. We did this one episode uh, where we interviewed a demonologist Um, A demonologist is someone who studies demons, and her name is Xiaowanku. She's she's very talented. She has her own whole situation going on, um, but she's also a self-proclaimed witch, and she will summon demons in order to um, manifest some of her greatest desires. Now, when I first heard that someone was going to manifest a demon or someone's going to summon a demon my the images that came to my mind are like the exorcist right like uh people throwing up heads spinning around people climbing on the ceiling um you know you can't sleep because there's like demons in your ears and there's rotting flesh and meat and all this stuff and and very dark uh sort of images conjured up like literally the movie the conjuring that's what i think of just creepy and scary and so to talk to someone who on a regular basis will work with demons was terrifying, but also really enlightening. And on the episode, she was basically talking about how um, there are different archetypes within the like demon uh, repertoire, right? There's like all these different demons. And she had this really interesting history where she went back to the time of Solomon and she told us all about it. It's a great episode. I don't want to get into all of that. But the most interesting part was she was saying that demons are better to work with than angels because angels are not like godly or rather angels angels are from like a different um, dimension. They're not human. They're not of this earth. So they don't really understand human wants and needs where demons are. So they do understand like, Oh, a human would want more money or a human wants to um, learn a new language or pick up a new skill or be more beautiful like these sort of superficial things that we want that are of this earth demons understand them so she was saying like working with demons is actually a lot um is a lot more predictable than working with an angel and the um the example that she gave was like okay so let's say you like use an angel let's say your your goal that you want is you want to be a millionaire if you were to ask a demon, can you help me be a millionaire? They might you know, show you new opportunities where you're going to have a new job or you meet someone who's a millionaire and um, they share the money with you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. She was like, if you were to ask an angel to help you with that, they would be like, sure, done. And then they would kill your whole family and burn down your house and be like, oh, you collect the insurance money and now you're a millionaire. Like, Why aren't you happy? So I, I thought that episode was really... It was really interesting and she too also like went into detail about like how she summons these demons and um yeah it was she's you know like in a dark room meditating with all the candles and like all of the shit that you think of when you think of like a witch summoning a demon and it was really 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 fascinating um yeah it was really cool and
0: I like yeah, it was really interesting and to Natalia's point like you she doesn't look like what you would picture a stereotypical like person that communes with demons would look like I picture yeah like Gollum in a closet somewhere (laughs) with like I don't know yeah holding a a chunk of rotting flesh like scribbling things on a (laughs) paper that are nonsensical but she is an extremely composed intelligent you know well-dressed well-spoken I know and I was like when Natalia told me that she had researched this topic I was like I don't even know if I want to be on that episode because that sounds like <laughs> I'm gonna be cursed just from listening to it and then I listened to it and I was like huh all right okay I'm still not gonna do it but that's pretty right.
1: cool. yeah it was really fascinating
0: yeah. and I too at the end of the episode I was like
1: okay did she somehow make this happen you know like did she like
0: manifest uh, this interview
1: Yeah. Did she? Like, I couldn't figure it out because I, she, I was really (laughs) charmed by her the whole time she was talking. I was like, wow, she's so well-spoken and she's so smart and she just wrote this book and she's created this whole brand and she's really successful. So I'm wondering like, okay, shit, should I like summon some fucking demons? Let's go. Like
2: (laughs) (laughs) what are the risks?
0: (laughs) Yeah. That was really interesting.
2: Well, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Awesome young ladies, great podcasters. Uh, Allie, tell everybody how they can keep up with you guys on social media.
0: Yeah, so you can follow us by going to letsgethaunted.com and we'll have all of our links there on our homepage. We're on Instagram at letsgethaunted. Our subreddit, which is where I hang out most of the time, is reddit.com slash r slash haunted. And we're on Twitter at Let's Get Haunted, and more recently, we're on TikTok at Let's Get Haunted. If anyone wants to connect with us,
1: yeah, and you can just listen to the podcast by searching Let's Get Haunted anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on on everything.
2: Awesome! It was an absolute blast having you you guys on it, and I can't wait to see the future. It's going to be very successful. I can tell.
1: Thank you oh, so thank much you so much for having us fun. on. Yeah.
2: All right, that wraps it up for this week. Thank you guys so much for everything you do for us. We greatly appreciate it.
3: Yeah, God bless you guys, and I hope you all have a blessed week.
2: Remember, you can get tickets to any live events and find out more about the haunted convention that we're going to be at in uh, Pigeon Forge at hillbillyhorrorstories.com.